Take me out to the ball game Take me out with the crowd Buy me some peanuts and cracker jacks And I don't care if I ever get back Cause it's root, root, root for the whole team They don't wait, it's a shame Cause it's one, two, three strikes You're out right at the old ball game Welcome to Let's Get Two, the baseball podcast from the fans' perspective. Now here's your host, James Christopher. And welcome to the show. I am your host, James Christopher, and it is a special episode today as we talk about Memorial Day. Times like this always make me reflect on my own past, my own service, my own time in the Army. And it was a very, you know, obviously hard and stressful, but also a very special time in my life. I think back to, well, and the guest we're going to have on makes it hard not to think back on Time spent all over the world, both in theater in Bosnia in the mid to late 90s and then being stationed in Germany at the end. Mine was a career that was so much easier than so many others. I didn't have to see or wasn't able to see. It really depends on the day that you ask me the things that went on in Iraq and Afghanistan. But I served for seven years. I was a 13 Fox, which was a forward observer, made the rank of staff sergeant about two and a half, three years in, and then ended up developing ankle and knee problems, which led to little or no cartilage left in both of those joints and put me out. And it was a very crazy time getting out. And it was, um, you know, there was a lot of struggle what to do. And because of my rank, I couldn't be reclassified and honestly didn't really want to. I chose to be a 13 Fox um, intentionally. Although I guess not intentionally. There is a funny story about that, that, you know, I was watching uh, Private Benjamin in preparation for the episode of Movie Bark. And, and we were watching the scene where she gets recruited and the recruiter lies to her. And, and it reminded me of when I was recruited and I signed up to be a fire support specialist and they didn't really tell you, at least they didn't tell me what that was. They let me run with my own preconceived notions of what a fire support specialist was. I thought that I was going to be a firefighter. I thought I was going to get a red truck and a dog and it would all be great. And I was working the desk at a police station at the time in Houston. And one of the old cops was like, yeah, you got a 13 second life expectancy in combat. And I was like, combat? Who's going to combat? So I went back to my recruiter the next day and I was like, listen, this is what I heard. And they finally explained to me, yeah, that your job is to coordinate the indirect fire assets of the artillery, of the Navy, and of the Air Force, and that you would be one of the people out front kind of doing your thing. And look, I was into it. I didn't want to join the military and, and, and have one of those kind of in the rear with the gear kind of jobs. I didn't want to be a supply guy. I didn't want to be a mechanic. I didn't want to do those things. I wanted to have something that was active and that was, and I, and no offense to those listening who did those jobs because clearly it takes everybody, but I wanted to be a soldier. And the idea of kind of being an FO really appealed to that young guy's sense of adventure. I'm sure if I had taken another job, I would have been able to walk. But, but no, it's so this time of year, 
Fourth of July does the same thing. Obviously, Veterans Day. It makes me reflect on that service. And, you know, Memorial Day is always a very interesting day because because we live in a very different time than the people who just came home from Vietnam did. You know, those guys were spat on. Those guys were the focus of anger from the American citizens. It should have been focused at their government and it wasn't. They were focused at the ones who were drafted and realized that they are Americans and went to do the, the thing that their country was called to do, called them to do, whether they agreed with it or not, and came home and got spat on for it. We don't live in that world anymore. And I'm really appreciative of that. I'm appreciative of the fact that our tone has changed. And now it is about, now it's about thanking you for your service. But Memorial Day is not about those who are serving or those who have served. It's about those who didn't come home. See, America is a complicated thing where for the, for the largest percentage of our history, we have dealt with an all-volunteer military. And so what it means is that you have this percentage of people that are routinely saying, I am willing to die so that way someone else doesn't have to. So they go and they fight and they and they sometimes don't come home. And that's what Memorial Day is about. It's about remembering them. And even though people still thank me for my service on this day and this weekend, and I, and I don't want you to stop because I don't want people to feel like they can't express that. Just know that generally speaking, most of us are thinking about our friends who did not come home. And in some cases, our friends that are still struggling with what happened with the things that they saw. It's, it's not a happy holiday. Now, the cool thing about America is that Memorial Day has come to mean a lot of things. It is time spent at the movies. It is time enjoying the first weekend of summer. It is time spent at a baseball game. All that I, all things that I love. And I don't think that we should all dress in black and, and sit and read the oral histories of family members who have gone to some, you know, shithole overseas and didn't come back. I'm not saying that's what we need to do, but I am saying that take some time when you're enjoying all of those things. When you're enjoying all of those moments, that time with family, as much as we can do in this COVID time right now, and at least give a thought to the men and women, the best of us who made that, that sacrifice and aren't able to enjoy that weekend because they laid their lives down for us. And so that takes me back to baseball. Like, you know, baseball in the military for me was always so intertwined. And I, and I was thinking about some of these major moments in my life when I was preparing this episode of Let's Get To and getting ready to have Eric on to talk about Memorial Day. Some of the moments of baseball and sports, like, you know, being in Bosnia and the only time, I think the only time I've really played the whole I'm a deployed soldier card was my buddy at the time, Mike Melton, who was a big, big diehard Cardinals fan. We had taken upon ourselves to essentially take the back end of Camp McGovern with some help of like engineers and stuff and built a softball field because we wanted to play baseball. We want to play softball. And so we wrote all these sporting good companies. We got stuff donated and we're, you know, playing on this muddy field. And I actually got injured being stupid because we didn't have very many softballs. Like even though we'd gotten some donated, they were 
not readily available. And so on either side of the field. So the field sits in the back corner of Camp McGovern. And as I recall, the backstop that we had sort of made with the like rudimentary bleachers sat in the corner and on either side of the, of the foul lines essentially were, was, was Constantina wire. And on the opposite side of the Constantina wire was a minefield. Now I get to remember like Bosnia was essentially in a state of war until they weren't because of World War II and then communist occupation. And then once the, the wall fell, there's a couple of years of peace and then they went right back to fighting. So there were old landmines. At one point, Bosnia was the most heavily mined country in the world. Uh, I think even more than the 38th parallel between North and South Korea. We had to issue comic books of Superman and Batman warning kids about landmines. It was a thing. We kept losing softballs and we had one of our few left. And, and I essentially was like, I was tired of losing softballs in the minefield. So I grabbed, I was like a rake or something like a garden hoe. And I was reasonably sure that I wouldn't set off enough, create enough pressure to set off a minefield, set off a mine. I think they said that most of them were anti-tank mines anyway. You had to be much heavier. I probably could do it now, but not then. But I'm standing on this wire with this like stick or rake or whatever, trying to get some of our softballs back. And I slip and I fall into the wire and I've got scars on my hands from when the wire, one of the Constantina pieces kind of went in and twisted and then some cuts on my back. And so they had to basically cut me out of the wire and, and I was, um, sidelined for a while. The other thing about that, that, that field, we had a really just bad run of rains after, you know, weeks of playing on it or maybe even months. And they discovered that there was a mine inside the field and they had to pull everybody off and detonate the mine. So yeah, we were playing on an anti-tank mine the whole time. So it was very, um, disconcerting. But, you know, baseball had always been part of me. I remember leaving Bosnia and um, getting, um, I think it was an army commendation medal before I was leaving to go to my next duty station. And I'm in, I'm, I'm lined up getting my award and Sergeant Major um, McGarry, Sergeant Major McGarry, who looked like Gargamel from the Smurfs, but he had like four teeth and he was like Vietnam era soldier at the end of his career and rather than, you know, as, as after Colonel, the Colonel, Colonel Corda had pinned the award on me and was moving down, Sergeant Major is supposed to shake your hand and give you some words of encouragement as a fellow, as a fellow enlisted guy. And rather than talk to me about my future in the army as an enlisted person, my future as a possible NCO someday, he's chomping on this cigar that he never, he never smoked. He only chewed. So it was all like stringy telling me why the Astros would never, ever win a World Series and why his Yankees, this is like 1996, 97, why his Yankees would go back to being the best team on the planet. I guess he was half right, half wrong because they did go back to being the best team on the planet. And that Astros team was a great team. And if it hadn't been for the Braves, the Yankees would have been dominated. But of course, the Astros got the World Series. So it's, uh, I always, I actually always think of Sergeant Major McGarry when I look at the Astros World Series stuff and go back to the fact that, I don't know, I was, I kind of appreciated that rather than giving him giving me some kind of fake, um, pep talk, he wanted to talk about baseball while I was getting an award. So 
you know, and, and, it, and it continues and, and getting stationed in Oklahoma, going to old Oklahoma Red Hawks games. It, it really, baseball was always such a big part of my career and, and part of my injuries that led to me not being in the army in the, anymore, uh, which were basically, like I said, degenerative knee conditions that led to no cartilage started with a rupture in Achilles, which, with that, which happened with me playing in a unit flag football game. So even though baseball cut me up, it never permanently injured me. But again, you know, Memorial Day, taking it back to Memorial Day, don't be afraid to enjoy the gifts that this country has given us. The gifts of, of some of its best, some of its brightest, some of its more precious resources in, in, in the form of our young people who, whether drafted or not, whether they agreed with the war or not, realized the bigger picture, put their hand on, you know, for me, it was the Bible and swore to defend us. And that sacrifice is for everyone. Again, and whether you agreed why they died, what they died for, whether you agreed with the errand they were sent on, you know, and I know that we, that everything post World War II has had some debate to it. Whether I agree with those debates or not is unimportant. Think about them. And their sacrifice is not um, the property of any one political party. Republicans don't get to, to, to claim that they know more about that sacrifice. Democrats, Democrats don't get, they did it for all of us. They did it so we can have political debates. And so we can take a break from those political debates and watch a baseball game on Memorial Day while eating a hot dog. Those are all things that we get to do because people better than us said that, you know, essentially stood on a wall. What's the line from A Few Good Men? Stood on a wall and said, nothing's going to hurt you tonight, not on my watch. And I, I, I take that sacrifice very seriously because friends of mine don't get to do that. They're the reason why we get to enjoy all these freedoms, like hosting an independent podcast and putting out whatever I want to say on this show without some government official listening and telling me I can't say that or censoring me. I can say whatever I want to on this show. And the reason we can do that is because people better than us guaranteed that right and that freedom. And it's a beautiful thing. This just in, news from Minor League Baseball. And so on a breaking news segment, we're excited to introduce you guys, our audience, to U.S. Military Baseball. We're excited to welcome Juan to the show. Juan, how's it going, man? Great, great. Doing fantastic. Thank you. You're surviving uh, the pandemic, the late unpleasantness? I am surviving, staying quarantined. 
all that good jazz. So tell me a little bit about what you guys going on with U.S. military baseball. Tell me a little bit about it. I'll be honest. So I, w- I discovered it by uh, doing some research for our show on baseball played by military units in World War II. That's how I stumbled onto your site. Thought it was interesting. So maybe give us everybody the 411 on it. So the history of military baseball is it started in 2016 and it was launched actually originally in Japan. Um, Tokyo, and we were stationed overseas, and a group of us started playing silent baseball, and then eventually the program started growing to get a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of local um, news, and we were on uh, AFN, um, Armed Forces News Network, and then we started growing, playing harder competitions, playing, we started playing off sandlot games against high school teams, and men's leagues, and then we grew into playing against, actually, the San Francisco Giants final league system overseas. We brought it back to the U.S., and then we've been able to compete against collegiate teams and even professional baseball teams. Um, so what we do is we put on exhibition games and put on shows for local communities throughout the country, and we have open tryouts for anyone who wants to try out, ages 16 to 45, and it allows them the opportunity to get scouted by some college or pro scouts, but also play in our show for our three-game shows. So we play these series all across the country, and we do charitable events like doing free youth clinics for kids in that local community, and giving back to uh, like the local VF, VF, uh, VFW and uh, other nonprofit charitable organizations as well. So we're just uh, we just love playing baseball. Some of us are military, some of us not military, but it's what we play for. The mission is um, honoring our fallen fallen comrades, honoring those who committed ultimate sacrifice, and uh, giving back to uh, giving back to youth. Yeah, I'm a former 13 Fox myself. So, yeah, that definitely, uh-huh. yeah, definitely hits home uh, to me, particularly on this coming weekend. So, uh, I know that you guys have tryouts coming up. How, how do you, before we get into that, how do you see, like, are y'all worried about, like, I know some states are open and some states aren't, and you guys travel around. I guess Texas, you should be pretty good as far as having games, right? Yeah, well, we play uh, first game series is in Mississippi. So, They've kind of gone back and forth, and then uh, we're going to try our best to push forward. And, you know, uh, good thing is it's an outdoor event. It was in, by that time, it should be around 90 to 100 degrees. So, <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if anything survives in that, then I think we're all in really trouble. So, right. I mean, yeah. we're not in cool spaces. And, you know, as you know, I, I guarantee you, you go sit out, sit out in that heat for about an hour. You can tell me if, uh, if you coronavirus will survive (laughs) (laughs) right so tell me a little bit about the tryouts then because you said it's open to anybody 16 to 45 we do a we do a uh, open tryout we may have anywhere between 100 and 300 players tryout anywhere from around the world okay now we have two we have two versions you can come on and if you select it we keep it we keep an 18-man roster so after the 300 men tryout they do is they run a 60-yard dash they do arm and uh, glove testing uh, evaluation they go through just like they would any type of MLB workout, and then they go through. Uh, they get about um, one round of BP, so we can evaluate their swings, and then they go into full scrimmage for two days. So we may have multiple teams going in a one-time scrimmaging. So we will divide the 300 players up into like four or five, four to six teams, and then we'll just cycle them through doing speed ball and giving in, in, pitchers innings to uh, see, see what they can do on and off the field. Um, when it comes to versus bullpen transition to real live game situation against a hitter because we only got one day um, to practice and then we put on a show. So the, the top 18 players, we keep 10, 10 position players, 10 pitchers, two catchers, 
and uh, eight position players are rest of pitchers. We move, those players will be selected to play for the USA team. Okay, they move on. They practice for one day, and then they're invited to play three games. And usually, our crowds are anywhere from a thousand to three to four thousand fans. So these guys can be working construction, HEB, Exxon, serving in the military, being over in the Virgin Islands, playing in Canada, maybe have pro experience, maybe be a 16-year-old kid that's going 92 mile an hour. Regardless, yeah. we go pure talent. You might be serving as an infantryman, 11 Bravo, and you might hear about the program and you want to, you know what, you play some baseball and you're pretty good and you want a shot at it. And maybe you were throwing 85 mile an hour in high school and now you're throwing 94. Well, I think a scout would love to see uh, 94 mile an hour fastball, no matter where it comes from. So, yeah, you're right. Uh, well, it, it gives our guys an opportunity to showcase their talent and to play for a greater purpose and give that to community. So it's a win-win for everybody. It's a win-win for recruiters because recruiters can show up and uh, present their you know, present, the Marines can present their side, the Navy can present their side, the Army can present their side their side as well. Sponsors can, can get their name, their business recognition out there in front of fans. Fans are able to come in free admission and be able to come watch a baseball game and, you know, get a hot dog and have a lemonade and, or an adult beverage and take the kids out, you know, where someone's affordable and it's fun and it's outdoors and it's um, very, very pro American. So um, we do a youth clinic on every, before every game on the first two game series, we do a free youth clinic from eight, to 12, p- 12 p.m., so 8 a.m. and 9 a.m. is check-in. And the kids, we have nine, uh, 10 different stations. All my players are 10 different stations, and we work in the kids through all the stations. After that, then the, and the kids go, go, go ahead and go home, and then we go ahead and later that evening, we'll put on a show around 7 p.m. is game time um, where we'll play against either pro exhibition teams or college teams. And it'll be a very and, be, and we have a nice, very nice presentation in regards to how we lay it out. Pre-game ceremony, and the pre-game ceremony always honors our fallen heroes, and we give tribute by playing Old Glory, and we honor all the all the um, all the wars that have been fought to keep our country free, like Iraq, Afghanistan, World War II, Vietnam, Korea. So we honor all those that have actually served in the U.S. Armed Forces. And we honor those who have committed that ultimate sacrifice because uh, there's been a lot of blood, sweat, and tears that have gone on for years to uh, keep our nation free and to um, protect the Constitution is what we stand for. So, um, And we do it through a game we love, which is baseball, which is truly America's greatest pastime. Amen. I that I think that's beautiful. I'm I'm so glad. So um we will get all this information out. Where can everybody find you? Um I know website, social media, all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. We you can find us at militarybaseball.org. We are a non DOD affiliated program again. Um, as I stated before. So this is non Department of Defense. This is solely independent private organization, just composed of a bunch of military guys who started this up. And then um and yeah, so you can find us at militarybaseball.org. Um, you can find us on mil- uh, Facebook, Military Baseball, our Facebook group, or our Facebook page, or on Instagram, Military Baseball. So um, feel free to reach out to us, sign up if you want to try out. And we take ages anywhere from 16 to 45 years of age. So. And I'm assuming you guys have gear for sale somewhere, right? Or no, or you need to. We do. We yeah. do. We're launching our store here soon, and we'll be launching that at Fanware. Usually we like to present it to the games and a lot of people buy a lot of caps at the games and we really like to uh, 
uh, fans really love our brand and and it's really what we what we play for and why we play that's what's important on deck the let's get to interview of the week brought to you by fine line sportswear all right, so we're excited on Let's Get To to welcome our guest of the week in our on-deck se- segment. Are you a righty or a lefty, Eric? I'm a, I'm one of them ones that was born in 70. I was born lefty, but they made me right righty, so. Oh, oh, wow. They did yeah. that? That's a, that's a whole other conversation. I did not know that was a thing. Well, I'm excited to welcome military veteran, one of my best friends on the planet, and one of the two people that my wife thinks I would call if <laughs> the chips were ever down. And apparently his dogs. Eric Adair, how's it going, man? What's up, brother? Good to be on. Not much. So, you know, I wanted to bring you on to talk a little bit about Memorial Day and then kind of talk a little bit about, you know, that kind of patriotic aspect of baseball that I know both of you kind of both of us kind of enjoy. Uh, But little little Memorial Day, man, what does the day mean to you? Well, you know, it's it's time for every year. It's not Veterans Day. It's a day to reflect and. Remember those that uh, that gave the ultimate sacrifice, um, but it's also you know like it's a big to me. It's it's time to remember that, but it's also time to reflect on the the things we're grateful for because they sacrificed, right? So and that's where baseball comes in. It's always been a huge piece honoring them. Yeah, I'm glad you pointed that out because I feel like, you know, we we live in a very polarizing times and yet people don't really ask veterans about this. But you've got one group of people that are like, it's the first weekend of summer. And then you have the other weekend that's like, no, we should all wear black and mourn. When in reality, it's both. Yeah, it's both, you know. So so almost, I mean, my game plan on, you know, coming up Friday is to sit down in my bar, you know, self-isolated, poor uh, 21-year-old bottle of scotch shot drink a few beers and listen to some listen to some old tunes that's my uh memorial piece and then man i really wish i i may have to throw on to be honest with you it's just not it's just not a right weekend for me without the baseball and so i may have to actually uh my cable company locally and then some stuff on uh, direct tv and espn has been throwing doing throwback uh, series games so you know, I, I may just put some of those on over the weekend. I've actually found it weird how much I've uh, enjoyed kind of watching old baseball games because I never thought in my wildest dreams I would care about watching the 2005 NLDS. <sighs> yeah, right. I mean, somebody told me, and I got to look it up. Somebody told me they've got, uh, you know, some footage put together from a lot of uh, when Babe Ruth was on, that there's going to be some special on this weekend. And I, I don't know what channel or anything. I, I don't even know if that's true, but I need to hunt that up if it is. I want to watch that. Yeah. Like, well, that's been, I think the crazy part, like the other day, just cause like she came home or came home, she came down from work because she works upstairs now, but <laughs> like, <laughs> like all of us. And she's like, she's like, what are you doing? I was like, oh, I'm just listening to the 1962 Houston Colt 45s play their first game. And can't, like, just like, it was like what normal people do is I'm listening to a game that's you know 15 years older than I am. <laughs> All the people that played in are, are, are long gone by now. <laughs> long dead, unfortunately. Long may they rest in peace. But you know, I I, I was thinking about, um, and I talked about in my opening how you know when I was deployed to Bosnia, we we had a lot of guys that really liked baseball, and so we built 
a baseball field on Camp McGovern, like a softball field, got gear donated. Do you have any memories, like when your deployments, either to the Gulf, all the times to the Gulf, Afghanistan, any of that stuff, where kind of sports was important to you while you were actively ser- ser- serving? Yeah, I mean, I can pretty much tell you that, and you know, I've deployed a lot. Uh, I can pretty much tell you that that was pretty much the first leisure thing. So, so as you started seeing a, a makeshift diamond get cut out and, you know, starting out with a uh, stickball, you know, a big wad of, uh, of uh, duct tape and, you know, a slat off a, a pallet or something. And that's how it starts out. And then, and then stuff starts coming in, but pretty much on every deployment, that's, that's how it starts. You know, you get in, you start doing all the stuff to, to make uh make base camp defendable and blah, blah, blah. And then the first thing that happens is next thing you know, you see a diamond yeah. <laughs> and, and a wad of duct tape <laughs> and a wad of duct tape. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, uh, we writing it. We just started writing letters in off time and like, like Russell athletic back in the day. I, I don't even know if they're still around sent us like aluminum bats and softballs. It was, it was nuts. It was, it was crazy. Um, now I know you're a big Rangers guy. Um, and, you know, we had plans this year to get out to Astros and Orioles. That's not happening. I mean, and I guess you're not – it also means you're not going to get out to see the new ballpark in Arlington. Well, that doesn't look like though. so this year unless it's going to be way later in the year. I'm really curious to see how this is going to turn out. I mean, I've, I've seen some snippets on ESPN about you know, wanting to have just televised games where it's only the players and officiators here and no crowds. That, that's not baseball to me. Um I, I don't know how that would survive. I wanted to ask you about a little bit about some of that drama um, in the few minutes we have left. So, you know, you and I have uh, worn a uniform. You wore it for a hell of a lot longer than I did. I think you did what, 24, 25 years? 20 years and 14 days. You were like, get the, get me the F out of here. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. That's very Eric of you. You're like 20. What's that? I'm out of here in two weeks. You gave your two weeks notice, but, but you, but, but as a result, right. You, you see, you see the world a little differently through a little bit different lens. When you watch the players and the owners fight about starting baseball over what amounts to money in this period of time right now, like at what point do you just want to shake him and be like, guys, there's bigger things happening. I mean, wh- where do you sit with that? Right now, I, you know, I don't know. I, I think that we need to get we need to get something going sports wise, and the key is baseball. You know, to probably start with we need to get something going because it's going to help alleviate some of the stress out there. You know, knuckleheads rioting and losing their losing their shit on you know store clerks and stuff. And it, the key is, is to try to get us back to some semblance of normalcy. And I'm I'm all about you know whatever it's going to take to even get some limited baseball going. Yeah. Yeah. Um, something. We got to get something going. Is the Korean baseball league not doing it for you? It's, it's not. <laughs> I wake up. I wake up every morning and I sit down and I get my little my little bowl of yogurt and I watch me some Korean baseball. And it's uh, it's it's a trip, man. It's a trip. Um, well, Eric, thanks so much again for jumping on, man. Um, you know, I, I wish we could bring you on and be talking about us just having wa- been to Baltimore or getting ready to watch. Um, getting ready to watch, you know, your first game at Arlington. I know that I think I will be up there for an independent club this year. So we'll definitely try to hook up for that. 
Yeah, I think you're only going to be a couple hours away, so we need to figure it out. Lights, camera, play ball. Inside Baseball Cinema. All right, we're back on Let's Get To with our Lights, Camera, Play Ball segment. As part of our special Memorial Day episode, Andrew Nelson is back with us. Andrew, how's it going, man? Good. How are you, Jim? I'm doing good. You know, it's uh, Memorial Day weekend, so I kind of am doing my um, sit and brood and remember thing sure. um, with, with friends of mine who aren't fortunate enough to be talking on a baseball podcast. Um, but we watched a movie that I was hoping would dovetail perfectly, and that was the film The Catcher Was a Spy. Um, before I dive into it on my thoughts, what did you think of the movie? Well, uh, I was really excited to watch this movie. Um, it's kind of, on the surface at least, this movie is is very on-brand for me. It, it it concerns it concerns baseball history and military history and espionage and yeah all kinds of stuff that I'm really into, um, and uh, I was a bit disappointed I have to say, um, I don't know it was it was kind of a mess I think um, like it was nicely shot and there was a lot of good actors in it but there was a lot of odd casting choices and um that timeline was really messy and uh i don't know i just wasn't terribly impressed it reminded me of the movie argo in the sense that i'm not terribly sure that the actual real life drama was dramatic enough to sustain a whole movie and i think that's part of it right like Mm-hmm. It isn't like he was serving as a catcher while spying, which is what they right. make it out to be. And ultimately speaking, literally nothing happens with the end of the film, like which I'm guessing is the real life story. But again, maybe don't waste what I think was a really good cast that was pretty game for the whole project. Mm-hmm. Um, but they just seemed relatively like it just kind of ended. And then we find out that he lived a sad life, you know? Yeah. It was very weird. I felt like they couldn't decide. Part of the problem was it felt like they couldn't really decide what to focus on. Like they really could have tried to hone in on the weird, mysterious character of who Moberg was. Um, And they kind of tiptoed towards that. But then – I don't know. They they went in really hard on his um, his sexuality, which is not not exactly a settled topic, right? Um, and I don't know. And then they they punched up some things like Moberg was never in combat. He was never anywhere that wasn't already controlled by the Allies. And I'm I'm sure there wasn't that weird little shootout when he was in Switzerland. Um, I don't know. It was, there was a lot of really weird tonal choices and things and it was just kind of a mess. But I think that brings me back to my Argo point, right? Like I don't like none of what happened in Argo with the whole like race against the, the air traffic. Can we get in the plane? Like that was all purely Hollywood drama. And to Mm -hmm. me, it, it just goes back to, when we watch a movie like that, we want to feel like it at least reflects some normal moment in society as opposed to 
like just then just you know what make up a story completely yeah it, it just to me if it, it, it made it feel flat and i'm like you like i tuned into it wanting to watch it and really wanting to like it like i was jazzed to watch yeah. this film and it just didn't for work sure. out for me yeah it's kind of like do you want to tell a historical fiction where you're telling a made-up story set in real events or do you want to tell someone's story and it didn't really do a very good job of that latter thing uh the the, the timeline just really they, they only called out one event in this whole movie and it's the one that probably everybody knows yeah. <laughs> it's pearl harbor but they, they don't give you timeline context for anything else so if you don't know the history really well you know this is vaguely around world war ii and that's about it <laughs> well that's what I, I but i agree with that too like I, I think i spent the whole time like explaining to jessica where we were what was going on because she had I did and, the same and, thing with my wife yeah, and it's not like my wife's dumb like she just couldn't track it because the movie wasn't telling yeah. her the information she needed I exactly. tell you what, though, since since we were disappointed by that, what is one go to sort of war movie that you think people should check out if they're going to be watching movies over Memorial Day since we're not going to be at a ballpark? Sure. Oh, man. Um, gosh. Uh, does it have to be an American one? No. In fact, get get on with your bad foreign film watching self. Actually, so I, I have to say probably the most appropriate thing for – Memorial Day uh, being what it is, is if you can uh, if you can find they shall not grow old. Um, it, it's a documentary, but it's amazing. I've, I saw it twice in the theater. It's so good. Is this the um, uh, the Lord of the Rings guys thing? Yeah. Peter Jackson's World War One movie where they they um, colorized and um, and put sound to world war one footage and then uh worked world war one veteran interviews into it and it's great uh, i can't recommend it highly enough raiders of the lost diamond a look into baseball's past So as we jump into Raiders of the Lost Diamond, we are going to take a trip back in time to 1945. I bet if you listen real hard, you can hear the echoes of the Glenn Miller Orchestra as we travel back to the end of World War II, and more specifically, to the end of the war in Europe. Now in the military, even at a time of war, the role of baseball has been important for well over the lifetime of the sport. There are stories of the game being played in the Civil War, one funny story about a regiment in Texas who didn't really talk so much about the loss of life, but so much as how disappointed they were that their only baseball was hit into enemy lines. And you thought those kids were scared of that dog in the sandlot. I talked a little bit about playing baseball in Bosnia in the, in the field we had carved out of our base camp, surrounded by landmines and the landmine we ended up finding on the field. That would have been an explosive play at the plate. And then Eric talked a little bit about just all of his deployments and how quick it takes baseball to pop up. It is such a fabric of that way of life. World War II was no different. Baseball at the time was the sport in America. It was, the, it was about to be the height 
of its role as America's pastime. Baseball helped raise money for the war. Exhibition games featuring guys like Joe DiMaggio were played all over the U.S. as a, help to f- as a way to help fund the war effort. Even in theater, in both Europe and in the Pacific, anytime there was a lull in the fighting, there was a baseball game. We even saw games in POW camps in both Germany and Japan, where American soldiers and sometimes allied soldiers would often be playing games as a way to pass their time while in captivity. Now, when the Germans surrendered, the American military brass was faced with a unique problem. They had a bunch of young men who were essentially on a high after having just vanquished the enemy and survived. They had money, access to alcohol, and guns. And one of the solutions the American military came up with was a baseball league. And they essentially created a baseball league, not even out of nothing, but out of the war-torn remnants of Europe. It actually makes Major League Baseball's inability to figure out how to have baseball during coronavirus laughable when you think about the situation they were in right after the war ended in Europe. But they did it overnight. They essentially made a baseball league. The games were played mostly in old, bombed-out German and Axis sports stadiums. The games were mostly played at the Stadion der Hitlerjuden, which was the Hitler Youth Stadium in Nuremberg. Previous to the war, it was home to many Nazi party rallies. They just painted over the swastikas and let's play ball. It actually reminded me of my time in Germany when I was reading that. I was stationed in a small concern in Eder Oberstein, which used to be another Hitler youth camp. And because of the end of the war and then essentially jumping right into the Cold War with Russia, they didn't have time to really dress these things up. They just threw some paint, threw some pictures and threw some carpet down. And in one of the areas where I was stationed, one of the buildings, if you peeled back the carpet, you would see a, the big the big SS symbol, you know, with the eagle thing and the swastika. So very interesting. But now we've got games being played and the teams representing the 71st Division of Patton's 3rd Army was the best team in the German area. Known as the Red Circles after their unit patch, this team was ready to play the team from France to determine who would win the European Theater of Operations. 50,000 people packed the stadium, ironically enough, one day after victory in Japan. The stadium was prepped and managed by German POWs, and part of me just delights in how much it must have sucked, how much it must have burned their guts to see America's game played on their fatherland. It's the ultimate troll job, and I love it. To the soldier, it felt as close as possible to being back home, which is part of the idea. Beer, soda, snacks were sold. The American flag and the anthem played by buglers, and then it was time to get dirty. Armed Forces Radio was on the call. Now, the 71st had well-known major leaguers like Harry the Hat Walker of the St. Louis Cardinals and Ewell the Whip Blackwell of the Cincinnati Reds. Walker had been put in charge of the entire German-based baseball operation and unsurprisingly had stocked his team with transfers from other units. He even commandeered a B-17 bomber called Bottoms Up to take the team from game to game. I mean, even Michael Jordan rode a bus. I do think it's funny that you got one guy in charge who takes all the assets. It's like not having a salary cap in baseball. Now in France, they had the Overseas Invasion Service Expedition All-Stars, 
also known as the OISE All-Stars, because that's a mouthful. The All-Stars were a ragtag team that rolled in from the French area to play the Red Circles. They only had one famous ball player among them, Mr. Sam Nahem. And Sam wasn't even that famous. He was a utility infielder. Just think about in a Christmas story when the old man complains about a team full of utility infielders. That was this team. Now, they did have some less noticed assets. A secret weapon, if you will. Two of them to be exact, and I'm not talking about the two secret weapons that ended the war in the Pacific. Yes, I just made a fat man little boy joke. Too soon? Now, they were secrets because they were ball players that most white fans had never seen play. Willard Home Run Brown would eventually hit the first home run ever by a black player in the American League when he played with the St. Louis Browns in 1947. Leon Day was a start pitcher for the Newark Eagles of the Negro Leagues, but his age never let him break into the MLB. It's funny, when Day was reflecting on landing in Normandy on D-Day plus six, which for non-military people, that means six days after the, the part of the invasion you saw in Saving Private Ryan, but things were still sporty. Nothing was calm. So he lands D-Day plus six, and he said he was scared to death. And at one point, he was ordered to move a supply vehicle while under fire. He told the white MP who ordered him to move it to move it his damn self. They both apparently opted to stay in the foxhole. So here you have this French baseball team, a desegregated baseball team, 18 months before Jackie Robinson and the Dodgers. The German-based Red Circles took game one, nine to two. Now Leon Day tossed a four hitter as the French base squad even the series. Then the series moves to France and again another split. So now we're here for the final game five to decide the European theater operations champion. 50,000 people were on hand and word is they never sat down. Leon Day stole second and then third and then scored on the sacrifice fly to tie the game in the seventh. Willard Brown hit a double into the eighth to break the tie after a close play at the plate. That run proved to be the difference as the OISE All-Stars beat the Red Circles. The first desegregated baseball team in the modern era of baseball had just won a victory. Now it's not as big a victory as the victory they were a part of a few months earlier when fascism was defeated, but it was a victory nonetheless and a victory that would have a lasting impact on the world around them. The Let's Get To Team of the Week, brought to you by Zoomer Sport. We're excited to welcome the Let's Get To as our Team of the Week. We're having the Vermont Lake Monsters back, and we are joined again by the Executive Director, Nate Cloutier. How are you doing, Nate? I'm great. How are you? Doing well, like everybody else, hoarding my toilet paper and waiting for this all to go away. Yeah, hopefully sooner rather than later. Hopefully sooner rather than later. So I wanted to talk a little bit about kind of what's been going on with the Lake Monsters since this all started. Um, what have y'all been up to as far as keeping community engaged and kind of positive and all that stuff as we've moved through this? I mean, I think for us, it's, um, you know, certainly, you know, what we're doing is we're trying to take the um, instructions that we get from, you know, Major League Baseball, Minor League Baseball as a whole, um, you know, operationally, we're really just trying to focus on making sure that we're ready whenever we get the thumbs up um, until, you know, are told that, you know, things are safe to go and, and play. 
Um, so really, we just like have been focused on making sure that all of our operational stuff, our checklists are taken care of, and um, we have the people lined up when uh, it's safe to get back to work that we're ready to go. Um, on the community side, we're really, you know, as you can imagine, with most professional sports teams, I mean, the only way to get um, and stay connected with your fans and stuff like that is engaging through social media. So we're really just trying to come up with things that will keep kids busy. We know, especially as a father myself, that these kids are home, they're taken out of their environment and off their rhythm and their routine and, you know, providing things, whether it's coloring sheets, activities, you know, word finds, just things that will kind of keep them busy. Um, and also maybe take um, their, you know, I guess, away from their parents for a few minutes to let the parents maybe be a little bit, um, you know, freer to go do things they need to do, whether it's, you know, lunches or dinners or whatever they have to do. Um, you know, and then really, you know, we're just really kind of digging deep and trying to get creative like we would at the ballpark and trying to come up with ways like how do we keep our brand uh, connected with the fans. And we're doing a lot of really cool promotions through our merchandise and online store, um, giving away a lot of, you know, old promotional stuff that we used to order, you know, additional of and, um, you know, offering those up for, you know, for free, you know, when you purchase, say, $35 at the team store, you get a, you know, free jersey or something like that. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that because there's been kind of a resurgence or I guess the the looking back on the fact that y'all used to be that y'all were essentially were the last yeah. team named the Expos. And so I was wanted to know, like, was that plan to be something y'all were going to deal with this year, kind of celebrate or is it just something yeah. that's happening? It, it really was. I mean, we've we've always stayed and connected with the Expos brands. Again, like you said, we were the last team that um, wore the Expos, you know, on their uniform in 2005. And, you know, we've always been very proud of that. We started off in, in 1994 as the Vermont Expos and played for over a decade as such. So we've always kept T-shirts, hats, those sort of things. And like you said, there's been a resurgence you know, nationally, I think for the Expos brand as well. And, you know, we've definitely always kept t-shirts and hats in the team store and, and done very well with stuff like that. Cause again, like myself growing up, going to Vermont Expos games, there's always been that connection to the people who grew up and now are taking their kids to the ballpark. So they love the throwback feel, you know, they always love to have their kids love what they like. So um, we were planning on doing a, um, you know, sort of a Vermont Expos kind of tribute night um, this summer obviously COVID has kind of thrown a, you know, curveball at everybody and unfortunately canceled some of the plans um, in terms of production that we were hoping to achieve this year. Um, but as you saw, we've, we've definitely, we've had two new styles of hats roll out this year and uh, you know, we've been promoting those and we've been selling a lot of those and um, you know, we just dropped a new hat this year um, for our 25 cent hot dog night. That's been going on for the last 26 years. And it's a new, a new cap that we will have, you know, um, a relaxed fit version. We'll have a snapback and we'll also have a um, on-field version as well. So we're really working at putting all that stuff together. And again, hopefully um, we'll be able to get back to the field and entertaining the fans the way that we do. But right now, you know, what we have in hand is what we're really focused on. I wanted to ask you about that part of it because you guys work year round on what promotions are going to be. So, you know, when when you miss stuff now, you guys actually haven't missed any time technically yet because you all right. have the short season affiliate. But let's assume that you missed some time. Will you guys just roll over some of those same promotions to 2021 or is it just sort of if, it, if you miss it, you miss it? No, I mean, I think really, um, you know, a lot of the things we do year after year um, are things like the quarter hot dog nights, you know, fireworks and stuff like that. But um 
Yeah, I mean, it really depends on like what we're handed, you know, in terms of the ability to play, you know, in a safe environment and at the same time, what sort of schedule Major League Baseball will provide for us. Um, but, I mean, we've already gotten giveaway items and we've already gotten, again, apparel in, you know, for theme nights like the 25 cent hot dog nights and stuff like that. So, um, you know, it's really TBD at this point, just trying to figure out, you know, where the uh, schedule all falls once uh, once things clear up a little bit. Yeah, I just uh, I always hate that for you guys. So, you know, I wanted to just talk real quick about what the Lake Monsters mean to the community at large. You know, I, I think that people don't really fully appreciate what minor league teams mean to areas of the country that don't live in that sort of thirty ring bubble of, of Major League Baseball. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the toughest part for us is, you know, Champ, our mascot, which is where our identity was built off of, the Lake Monsters. You know, we aren't able to get him out there and, you know, we're not able to go to the, you know, children's hospital and make visits to the kids. We're not able to be a part of parades that used to be so important to towns and stuff like that. And those are the things I think that everyone's missing out on. And we were always part of those things. Again, like you said, we're fortunate enough to not have our season start till mid June, but um, there's so many things that make us, I guess, a you know big part of the community. And those are year round. That's not just the two and a half months of, you know, the Vermont Lake monster season. It's um, all the other, you know, touch points that we have throughout the year that make my job so special. And, you know, the ability to kind of connect with the fans throughout whether or not they're coming to games or not. Have you guys heard much from fans that are just sort of wishing you guys well, hoping you guys are able to start on time? Yeah, I mean, I think we've definitely seen that, you know, even through our team store, it's like you're just saying people um, have people saying that, you know, it's no better time to support the local team. And we certainly really do appreciate that. Um, And just, you know, I mean, there are other programs that we put together that we're really hoping we can still, you know, put forth to the community, like the ticket fundraisers and stuff like that. And I think now more than ever, fundraising is, you know, very important. Um, But there's just more challenges now than there used to be in terms of like how to disseminate information, um, which used to be in, say, paper form. We're now having to figure out digital ways to do it. Um, So, you know, we're, we're figuring it all out. It's definitely definitely a curveball, but we're managing. Um, we have a very skilled crew, um, that's, you know, been around for a long time and, um, we're certainly proud of that. And we're just doing that, doing whatever we can just to stay involved with everybody and at the same time, make sure that we're ready. Well, Nate, you guys have been doing a great job on social media. Like you talked about the coloring sheets. Uh, my daughter lives in Portland and she's been printing them off for her kids, Portland, Oregon. Yep. So that that's the kind of reach you, you, you guys are getting. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's great. And we appreciate it. And again, if you can get a kid to sit down for five minutes and, you know, do that rather than sit on a tablet or on a screen, that's uh, a win for all of us. And, you know, certainly things that don't take us a lot of work, um, but definitely overall helps our brand. And just, uh, I think said, just keeps people engaged. And now on to close it out, the right-hander from Houston, Texas, James Christopher. So that does wrap us up for the special Memorial Day edition of Let's Get To. I do hope everybody's enjoying the weekend. If uh, you're listening to this and have lost someone who died in the service of our country, wore a uniform, at least know that the entire team behind Let's Get To really mourns with you and is so appreciative of that sacrifice. 
And that I think we all need to remember the core values that this country stands for and make sure that those things don't perish. And I'm not talking about any one political ideology, but the idea that we can have multiple political ideologies. This is definitely going to be a different Memorial Day for everyone. And I think in part because so many of us choose to spend it at a ballpark. For Jessica and I, it is our go-to place to be. The anthem means more on Memorial Day than it does any other time for me, even more than the 4th of July. Because to me, it isn't about like pledging allegiance or, or promising to be a good American, but it's about reflecting on those who are the best Americans. Again, including people that I knew and were very close to. So it's going to suck to not be at a ballpark today. And I do, as we get through this, I can't help but continue to remind, to remind you that so many of these teams, like the Vermont Lake Monsters that we're on, these are small businesses that are continuing to do their best to bring community together, bring people together, to give you all a break from this coronavirus madness. And then essentially having to push aside their own worries and concerns because again, they're small businesses and they have employees and they are, they are afraid for the future, just like all of us. And so many of them are facing the idea that there might not be baseball and affiliated minor leagues at all. I think it's really weird. We haven't heard anything, but they're doing the best to make lemonade out of lemons and they are using their park for other things. And, and, you know, it started the Omaha storm chasers talked about it a couple of weeks on the show about having the drive in fireworks show. The Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs are doing something similar. Several teams like the Rocky Mountain Vibes and the Daytona Tortugas are going to be doing socially distanced movie nights. Team stores are still open. And the Round Rock Express, you know, they had a bunch of, like everybody else, cool theme nights planned. And they had an alternative identity to play as, the legendary Round Rock Harry Man. And I spoke to the Rail Yard, that's their team store, and they're trying to make things easier. Why, if you buy gear, they will, just like your grocery store, bring it out curbside. Uh, The Blue Wahoos are going to be doing trivia nights to coincide with what their theme nights were supposed to be. They're doing everything that they can to create an experience for you to go and take a break from this, even though even though they can't play actual baseball. And I just think it's a great way for them to pivot. It's smart. It's such a, it's such a wonderful way to keep bringing community together. Trust me, it's everything I can do to not fly to see the Rocky Mountain vibes show back to the future on their big screen in the middle of, I mean, it, it sounds great. So I would just continue to keep checking out for minor league teams around you. Trust me, you have one. And see what you can do to take a break again from the madness of coronavirus and the news and all the meanness in the world and go support a small business. So again, I hope everyone's safe this weekend. I hope everyone enjoys it and is able to spend some time with family. I hope everyone takes the time to reflect on those who gave the ultimate sacrifice. We will be back in just a few days. Until until next time, let's get to it.